This week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the life and memory of Hannah Kamara, who passed away tragically at the age of 22. Welcome to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean. I'm coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. On this week's edition, we're going to check in with AEW and find out what happened at Double or Nothing this past week on Dynamite, what's going to happen this week on Dynamite, and of course, the AEW current rankings for the men, women, and tag teams. We'll look at what happened in Impact Wrestling and see who's becoming the new number one contender for Tessa Blanchard when she returns. They're going to be doing some TV tapings in Nashville soon. Will she be there and who will she be facing? Then, we'll look at everything happening in WWE as they lead towards going to take over in your house for NXT next weekend and the following week, the setup for Backlash. All this and more when we come back after these quick messages. Welcome back to this week's show. I really want to thank each and every one of you who took the time to listen who watched our takeover of the TNT show on my birthday, May 21st. You tuned into either of those versions of our show. Really want to thank you and appreciate you being part of it. You can always catch us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. My birthday was really good. I had a lot of uh, great messages from friends, family, including also different personalities from the wrestling world, including Mark Marrow, TJ Wilson, who I get a greeting from every year, Lanny Poffo. Then from the local scene, I heard from Tyson Duke, Sebastian Suave, Scott Hunter, Daniel Garcia, and more. So I want to thank all those people for taking the time to wish me a happy birthday. Those who heard last week's episode and checked in on me also to find out if I got the job or not, I unfortunately heard uh, the other day that my promotion aspirations did not happen. It's all good. I'm still working where I am, supporting people with disabilities, and I'm still here each and every week hosting this show, TNT, when we get back to the production line on the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Definitely join us on Fantasy Warfare tournaments that happen on YouTube every Wednesday night. I'm all over the place in the wrestling world, so send me a message if you want to be a part of it. If you have suggestions, we love putting out content, so please be a part of it whenever you can. Unfortunately, this week we are starting off with some sad news. As I posted at the beginning of the episode, a dedication to... Hana Kamara, she passed away last week at the age of 22. Uh, she's a future star of Japan and stardom. Hannah, uh, unfortunately, looks like she took her life after a lot of uh, online bullying, cyberbullying. And she was a part of a show called Terrace House. And she received a lot of heat online and uh, bullying after uh, an incident that happened in the house involving laundry and her ring gear and things that got said plus with her being of mixed race which is not terribly acceptable over in japan she suffered a lot of online bullying as i mentioned and it just got to the point where 
she started actually harming herself. There was posts on her Twitter account uh, cutting her arms, and unfortunately her cries for help were not answered in time, and she was found dead. Um, definitely brings to mind how important mental health is to people and just checking in on your friends like right now especially with the pandemic going on there's a lot of people cooped up and not doing their normal routine which keeps them sane so try and do your best and be a friend out there reach out to loved ones friends whoever and you know just make sure they're okay because you never know what's happening to them behind closed doors and the same thing unfortunately happened with hannah and yeah we're not sure what's going to happen with uh terrace house uh there has been an announcement that the rest of the season has been halted and where they pick up from there or if anything gets shown how the rest of the series progresses from here is up in the air and of course with the pandemic there's no real good way of honoring Hannah Kamara until they can end up getting in front of live audiences again uh this past week on Smackdown you could see Sasha Banks wearing an armband in honor of Hannah and yeah so it's a huge loss for the wrestling world she had a lot of upside to her and who knows if things had continued, she might have made her way over to North America and been like how Asuka and Kari Sane and Io Shirai are on WWE right now. And even uh, the ladies that we're seeing on AEW. That includes Rio, Amy Sakura, Karo Shida, all those talents that she probably worked with over there and now she's gone so our thoughts and prayers go out to her family and friends and everybody who uh, knew her we'd also like to congratulate though bray wyatt and jojo for uh, welcoming their second child into the world this past week and there's a report that abraham reisman has signed a book deal with simon schuster to write a biography on uh, Vince McMahon and I guess he worked on a biography of Stan Lee at one point and a bunch of other uh, different uh, writings that he's done over the years but in this case with the book about Vince it'll be interesting to see what stories uh, make it into the final edit and if there'll be any big surprises that we never knew or even suspected maybe some Plot holes will get filled of where things were supposed to go and how things got changed and just maybe different relationships uh, Vince had with talent over the years. Vince has decades of stories to be told. Probably can't be all told in one uh, book. So, yeah, be sure to look out for it whenever it is finished and however many uh, chapters and or books that are needed to tell the full Vince McMahon story. Checking out all the action that happened on Impact Wrestling this week, we are still looking for who's going to be the new number one contender to Tessa Blanchard when she is able to return. Now, the 
tournament is down to the semifinals this week, and it starts off with Hernandez taking on Ace Austin. And this match went back and forth uh, a lot, but in the end, Ace Austin was working over Hernandez's knee, and he finally uh, blocked the uh, border toss, clipped out uh, Hernandez's knee, and hit the fold to advance to the finals, picking up a victory was Ace Austin over Hernandez in a tournament that had a lot of big guys in it to see the finals with Ace Austin in it and who he defeated to get there is mind boggling in a way. But then we see Johnny Swinger and Chris Bay together and they're just trying to work together as a team and we're going to learn things on the fly. And so they headed out to the ring where Johnny Swinger took on cousin Jake and Chris Bay was in his corner, and Johnny Swinger picked up the victory over Cousin Jake. After the match, Swinger and Bay continued to attack uh, Jake until X-Division champion Willie Mack came out and made the save. There was a segment backstage with TNA original Chase Stevens interrupting Rohit Raju's interview, and Rohit accused Chase of and the other originals of trying to steal their spotlight. And this turned into a challenge for next week where Rohit will take on Stevens. Up next was a match between Havoc and Kimberly. This is a result of stuff that happened a couple of weeks ago uh, in the locker room with uh, Madison Rain and Johnny Swinger's uh, talk show. And Jessica Havoc had been hit with brass ducks from Kimberly. So this match definitely was going back and forth. We didn't know what was going to happen with Nevaeh as she's been seen around the uh, audience area and checking out uh, matches involving Havoc. And as this match was breaking down, Kimberly had uh, raked the eyes of Havoc, went for the brass knuckles, and as she was about to uh, hit Havoc with them. That's when Nevaeh came out and went after Kimberly. She hit Kimber and the referee called for the bell. The brass knuckles went flying and Nevaeh proceeded to uh, take out Kimberly. That's when Havoc was able to get back up. They double teamed Kimberly and finally revealed that they're on the same side. Nevaeh and Havoc are raised each other's arms, and left together, celebrating their union at the top of the stage. Then we end up seeing uh, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles bullying and beating down Kylie Ray and Susie in the backstage area. But as Susie was recovering, she started uh, channeling her dark side of Sue Young. Joseph P. Ryan invited uh, Jake and Dave uh, Chris of OVE uh, to join him at ringside for his match against uh, Crazy Steve. That match is actually next week, and he wants to show OVE how to how cancel culture deals with their problems. Then we get to check in on Cody Diener, who's finally made it back to the Diener compound, and he's challenged the North to arrive and defend the tag team titles against himself and Wheels. 
the North arrive after Cody's been talking to a bunch of uh, relatives of the Deaners all around in this barn that has a dilapidated ring in it, and the North wonder where Wheels is. The There's a uh, guy who shows up in a wheelchair, and they think, oh, great, it's against him, and it turns out that's the referee that has no legs. Then they see a tractor pull up, and one of Deaner's female cousins comes out of the tractor and they think it's going to be a intergender match Ethan Page starts tossing around some dinky cars which really ticks off Cody to the fact that those cars actually belong to Wheels and Wheels shows up and he is got quite the size to him people in this area would recognize him as Steve Brown but Wheels and Cody end up going against the north it goes all over the place up on trailers into the trailers where hay is all over the place cody gets power driven on top of a trailer by josh alexander ethan page has wheels in the ring and they decide they're going to finish things off the way the north will and they take their turns at wheels who keeps on kicking out cody's finally able to make his way back to the ring but before he can do that they go after the referee who ends up doing a 619, goes for a 450 splash but misses, gets curb stomped by Josh Alexander, and when Cody's able to come back, he has Alexander in a pinning position, but the referee is down. As a double team Cody Deaner, they get rid of him, and they're about to go after him, and Wheels recovers. Goes for a double choke slam and he gets hit from behind in the crotch. And it turns out Iceman is now there. And he reveals that he has a referee's shirt on. And does a quick pin on wheels for Ethan Page and Josh Alexander to retain their titles. They have to run from all the Diener clan going after them. And they pretty much leave Iceman to the Deaners to take care of as they get out of harm's way with their tag team titles in tow. After that, back in Nashville, we see Gia Miller interviewing TJP and Fala Brawl. They feel that they're the number one contenders for the North when the North are able to compete in the U.S. again, but the Rascals interrupt them and remind them that they defeated TJP and Fala Brawl and Triple XL recently. So then a match is made for next week where TJP and Fala Brawl will take on the Rascals for a true number one contenders match. The Rascals end up returning to the Treehouse where they're met with Moose who's still claiming to be the TNA world champion even though TNA does not exist anymore as a promotion in that uh, sense and the Rascals make fun of him but he doesn't care and he threatens the Rascals. We see a video for Diana Perrazzo. The Virtuosa is coming to Impact Wrestling. She's one of the uh, talent that were recently released by WWE, but because she's an NXT talent, they only had a 30-day no-compete clause as opposed to main roster talent who have a 90-day clause. Another bizarre video was shown between Rosemary and Johnny Bravo with their relationship, and Rosemary wants... Johnny Bravo to be in her corner from now on. 
And then the main event has Michael Elgin going against Trey of the Rascals in the number one contenders tournament semifinal match. Surprisingly enough, Elgin ends up losing and Trey is moving on to the finals to take on Ace Austin to be the number one contender for Tessa Blanchard when she's able to return. Trey can definitely thank Sammy Callahan because the lights ended up going out and when they came back on he was there and he made his presence felt. Elgin turned back to Trey and that allowed Trey to recover and Trey then got the pin uh, predicament to score a huge upset and move on to the finals. So all the larger and expected talent to be coming out as the number one contender, whether it was Ken Shamrock, Hernandez, Sammy Callahan, or Michael Elgin, all got taken out. And you have two X-Division contenders in the number one contender final. And that will happen when Trey goes against Ace Austin. I believe it's going to be next week. And so that's everything that's happened on Impact Wrestling to lead up to the next set of tapings that is happening this weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. Looking at WD this week, the episode of Monday Night Raw happening on Memorial Day in the United States started off with the KO show. They had Charlotte Flair, Nia Jax, and Natalia coming out. Natalia apologized to Kevin Owens for what she did last week to his set. And, of course, a brawl broke out uh, when Nia Jax ended up showing up. In the end, the Raw Women's Champion, Asuka, stood tall. Then we had Apollo Crews challenging Andrade for the United States Championship. This has been a long time coming between the two, and uh, Crews has gotten a lot of momentum since switching back to Monday Night Raw after leaving SmackDown. And that momentum has been enough to have him hit two shooting star presses and a moonsault for a combination and picking up the victory and becoming the new United States champion. Then the Iconics came out and apologized to each other for the frustrations that they had the follow- the week before over what went on and they are determined to become the tag team champions again, challenging Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Blessing Cross came out, and, well, they got beat down for their efforts. Then we had the VIP lounge with MVP. His guest was the WWE champion, Drew McIntyre. Drew was ready for an ambush, so he promptly destroyed the VIP lounge and was ready to call out Lashley, who he figured was going to end up attacking him anyways. He hit MVP with the Claymore, sending him into the ring side area as Lashley did come out but he refused to get into the ring to go after Drew McIntyre. Angel Garza took on Kevin Owens and as Owens was heading to the ring Garza took him out from behind at the knee and continued to work over Kevin Owens leg throughout the match. Unfortunately as Kevin was going to go for probably a cannonball his knee gave out on him and Garza was able to capitalize hitting the wing clipper and picking up the victory over Kevin Owens. 
Throughout the evening, we saw the Street Profits and Viking Raiders competing in a golfing day. They were on the actual golf course, and they were just a little too rough on it, and they got kicked off. So then they proceeded to go to a mini-golf putting range, and the segments happened throughout the evening. In the end, the Street Profits had the lower score and are now up in competitions for this non-wrestling competition that they're doing. They also look to do a fourth one next week, which or tomorrow night, should I say, and that's going to be bowling. So eventually this should lead to a tag team title match, presumably at Backlash. Seth Rollins' two disciples, Austin Theory and Murphy, ended up winning a tag team match over Alistair Black and Humberto Carrillo. Uh, as the match came to an end, they almost put Carrillo's face into the stairs and Black was going to try and defend, had a chair, but was ordered by Seth to drop it or Carrillo would end up being hurt in exchange. And they said that Rey Mysterio's sacrifice would be in vain if this continued. There's a triple threat match with Natalia, Naya, and Charlotte to become the number one contender to go against Asuka at Backlash. And after hitting a Samoan drop on Natalia, Naya picked up the victory and will now challenge Asuka at Backlash. And then the Street Profits, who had run into Lashley and MVP backstage, got challenged to a tag team match with Lashley and MVP and the Street Profits picked up the victory. Bobby Lashley lost control and just after Ford connected with a frog splash on MVP, Lashley rushed the ring and locked on the full Nelson. And since he was not the legal person in the match, the referee ordered him to release it. He refused and they called for the disqualification. And because he continued to refuse to let go of the full Nelson, this brought out Drew McIntyre, and they ended up brawling. What I did fail to mention at the beginning of this is that they're now using NXT talent that are just getting on TV and haven't made TV yet as audience members, and the ringside area now has plexiglass all around it along with the regular barricades that normally line the ring. So it's almost like a, a hockey setting. Of course, some people may comment about it, but this is apparently to maintain a healthy environment. The NXT talent have been tested before being put in this environment, but because the uh, performance center is a smaller environment, unlike how AEW has their open venue at Daly's Place, the air quality is a lot different, and that's why they've, I guess, chosen to put up the uh, plexiglass. And so, yeah, it was an interesting setup. Will take a little bit uh, getting used to, but at the same time, they've now added some crowd noise to help move 
shows along and not feel as plotting and hopefully people will stop complaining about the lack of noise and the bizarreness and jarringness of seeing an empty arena um some of the talent did have to go around the barricade to rush the ring and separate lashley and mcintyre as the show went off the air over on nxt this past wednesday drake maverick defeated kushida and jake atlas to win group a and will now fight el hero del fantasma for the interim nxt cruiserweight title it actually turned out that Kishida had gotten Jake Atlas to tap out, but the referee counted a three count with Maverick picking up the victory at the same time, and they decided to keep their result as is, even though replay showed that Atlas had tapped out. Later on, Kishida had paid respect to Jake Maverick for defeating them and going forward to become a champion. Johnny Gargano defeated Adrian Atlantis in the first ever Johnny Gargano Invitational. Johnny offered a opportunity of a lifetime, a golden opportunity, if you will, to an up-and-coming NXT star, and it served more as just Johnny being able to bully somebody, and he got the victory. But, in the end, Keith Lee and Mia Yim started to get the last laugh and poked fun at the Garganos with a dinner party of their own. Then we also saw Shotzi Blockhart taking on Raquel Gonzalez and with some interference from Dakota Kai, even though Tegan Knox attempted to block it, but Kenneth Soray was out there. Whole melee with women. Raquel Gonzalez ends up picking up the victory over Shotzi Blackheart. Then we saw NXT Women's Champion Charlotte Flair teaming with Chelsea Green to take on Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. Shirai ended up taking out Ripley by accident, and that allowed Charlotte to use the ropes as leverage to pick up victory and pin Io Shirai for the victory. Later on, when Chelsea Green and Robert Stone were interviewed, Chelsea ended up firing Robert Stone and walking out on him. So, Robert's going to have to find some new clientele to join him. Adam Cole had a Zoom call with NXT Commissioner William Regal, and he agreed that he'll take on Velvet Dream one last time for the NXT Championship at TakeOver In Your House. And Regal assured him that it will be at a place not normally at the Performance Center, or I guess at Full Sail, but it'll be a place of Regal's choosing that will also be of advantage for both of them. I don't know what that means, but we'll find out next weekend. Then the Blackheart, Tommaso Ciampa, took on Leon Ruff in his first match back since his takeover match with Johnny Gargano. But Scarlett ended up coming to ringside to get a closer look at Ciampa during the match. Afterwards, 
Karrion Cross got on the screen and delivered a message to Ciampa ahead of their matchup that's going to happen at NXT TakeOver in your house. And in the first ever NXT fight pit, Kurt Angle was the special referee in a match featuring Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle unfortunately lost this match to Thatcher because Thatcher claimed victory by refusing to relinquish a rear naked choke and rendered Matt Riddle unconscious and Angle had to award the match to Thatcher. At the same time, it really didn't matter because then on Friday night, Angle announced that Matt Riddle is making his way to SmackDown. So that sets up NXT TakeOver In Your House happening next Sunday, June 7th. And there's five matches on the card at the moment. And that has Tommaso Ciampa taking on Karrion Cross, who will have Scarlett in his corner. NXT Women's title will be on the line as Charlotte defends against Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai in a triple threat match. Damian Priest will take on Finn Balor. The NXT North American title will be on the line as Keith Lee defends against Johnny Gargano. And you're sure to see Mia Yim seconding Keith Lee and Candice LeRae seconding Johnny Gargano. And then the NXT Championship will be on the line as Adam Cole takes on Velveteen Dream in a location yet to be determined along with a stipulation by William Regal. Maybe we'll find out this Wednesday. If not, it won't be until TakeOver in your house. So that's what's going on with NXT. And finally over on SmackDown, it began with a car crash that happened outside of the Performance Center and Renee Young was trying to report on it. It appears that a car had taken out Elias, so there was ambulance uh, there loading up Elias and taking care of him medically. Renee was trying to figure out what was going on. Brown Strowman was apparently an eyewitness. He saw somebody get hit and somebody in black go running from uh, the car that did the uh, damage. Police were searching around. They found a registration rental to Jeff Hardy. And then we find out that Jeff Hardy was found by the performance center in the bushes. Very groggy, um, disoriented, and smelling of alcohol. And a bottle of alcohol was also found in the driver's seat of the rental that took out Elias. So, of course, the police ended up cuffing Jeff Hardy and taking him into custody as Elias got taken to the hospital. Inside the Performance Center, Adam Pierce was trying to let everybody know what was going on as both Elias and Jeff were supposed to be in separate matches for the Intercontinental Title Tournament. And AJ just wanted to take a bye since Elias was not able to wrestle. Daniel Bryan tried to make things a little bit fair. There was a bunch of other talent around and offered to do a match. It all boiled down to there being a battle royal with the winner meeting Daniel Bryan later on in the evening to be advancing in the tournament against AJ Styles. During the battle royal, Baron Corbin had eliminated a bunch of uh, superstars to begin with. Later on, Shorty G ended up eliminating Cesaro, 
and then he eliminated Nakamura. As Nakamura was distracting the referees, Cesaro slid back in and tossed Shorty G to the outside, and all the referees saw was Shorty G on the outside landing, and said that he was eliminated. This ended up going to a singles match of Shorty G taking on Cesaro later on in the show. Sonya Deville was looking to take out another bleach blonde in her quest to get closer to the championship, and this time she was going against Lacey Evans. This started on a Twitter banter back and forth battle, and their brawl ended up turning into a double countout. Lacey wanted some more of Sonya, but Sonya said only on her terms and walked away. There was a tag team championship summit happening on A Moment of Bliss as Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the women's tag team champions, brought out the New Day, the SmackDown tag team champions. That was interrupted by Bailey and Sasha because New Day had wondered who were contenders over on SmackDown since the Iconics are trying to get the tag team titles away from Bliss and Cross over on Raw, who were the contenders for SmackDown. And that's when the former Boss and Hug connection came out and challenged them. And it turned into Bailey sending Sasha into a singles match against Alexa Bliss. And Sasha wasn't even ready. She was wearing high heels. During the commercial break, Bailey was able to get some running shoes for Sasha. And Nikki... And Bailey ended up on commentary. Michael Cole lost his mind laughing uh, during all the stuff that uh, Nikki Cross was doing. Eventually, Nikki tried to stop Bailey from getting involved. Bailey pushed her into Alexa Bliss. And during all that, Sasha was able to pick up a victory after Nikki had knocked down Alexa. So. Looks like there's two sets of contenders trying to get the tag team titles away from Bliss and Cross. In a really good and competitive matchup, Shorty G ended up picking up the victory over Cesaro with a quick roll-up. And the main event saw Daniel Bryan defeat Sheamus, who had won the Battle Royal. I think I forgot to mention that, but Sheamus had won the Battle Royal to face Daniel Bryan in the main event. And Dana Bryan defeated Sheamus with a returning Jeff Hardy as a distraction to Sheamus. So it looks like it was figured out that Jeff was not drunk. He was just beat up and he was released from police custody and made his way back to the performance center. And he clearly knew that Sheamus had done something to him. Sheamus was distracted. Dana Bryan hit a kick on Sheamus to pick up the victory, and then Jeff Hardy and Sheamus brawled to end the show with Hardy standing tall. I know myself, I've posted on different social medias that I kind of didn't like that scenario. Yes, I figured out that Sheamus was part of what all happened, but maybe they could have had Jeff Hardy do a Skype in as his call saying that you know, he is innocent and he's going to confront Seamus next week. That could have been the distraction. And then next week on 
SmackDown, we could have seen how it all played out thanks to the hacker guy showing some closed-circuit television and that it was Sheamus and maybe an accomplice that took out Elias and beat up Jeff Hardy. But this is what they did. We're going to have to see what's going on. A lot of people I know were thinking it was distasteful what happened, but they didn't put any alcohol or substance in Jeff's actual hand. They made it seem like it was. It's all part of TV. Jeff went along with it. So people need to just enjoy wrestling for what it is. Whether we're going a little bit dramatic for things that you normally don't see or not. Let's just enjoy it. And this also is leading up to Backlash. Backlash happens in two weeks. And they've been billing... Edge versus Orton is going to be the greatest match of all time. That's a lot of things for them to live up to, but Edge versus Orton is supposed to be happening. Drew McIntyre is going to defend his WWE Championship against Bobby Lashley. Braun Strowman is in a handicap match for the Universal title against Miz and Morrison. And Asuka is defending against Nia Jax. we got one more week of shows. Or is it two? Two weeks of shows, should I say. So, four more episodes to fill out the rest of this card. That's going to happen on June 14th. A week ago Saturday on May 23rd was AEW's Double or Nothing, their second edition of it. Of course, in this pandemic era, it wasn't in Las Vegas like it was supposed to be. So it was at Daly's Place, and they had a loaded card. It started off with the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent defeating Private Party to be deemed the number one contenders to the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Then the main show happened and it started off with the casino match or ladder match um, for a future AEW World Championship. And basically it was a money in the bank ladder match with a chip above. Some really chaotic and crazy bumps all over the place. Everybody seemed to have their one spot. It uh, consisted of Darby Allen, Cole Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Joey Janela, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, who had Jimmy Havoc and Penelope Ford with him, Frankie Kazarian, and Luchasaurus. And the mystery ninth person was former Impact champion Brian Cage who was introduced by Taz. So Taz is in his corner, and this is the guy that is going to now obviously be going after Darby Allen for snubbing Taz. Once again, there were some really huge spots in this and some crazy uh, things with the ladders. It all ended with, though, Brian Cage claiming the poker chip uh, for himself, holding it above his head, and... He is now earned himself a future championship match at Fighter Fest against Moxley whenever they decide that Fighter Fest is going to happen. One of my favorite matches of the night was MJF, who had Wardlow by his side, taking on Jungle Boy. MJF ended up picking up the victory, and it was a good 17 plus minutes of action with these two going at it. Then we had the finals of the TNT tournament to crown the first ever AEW TNT champion. 
they introduced the title, but I guess it was announced that it wasn't fully completed um, because of the pandemic. The people putting it together were not able to get to work on it fully. However, regardless of what it looks like, I don't like the fact that they called themselves out and said, oh, this is an inferior product that we're presenting. Just hold on and bear with us type deal. At least pretend that it's okay and done and let the second champion of it, whether it be somebody like an MJF, kick it and say, this is trash. I'm going to make it look better. And that's when you introduce the new belt. Regardless, they introduced this, as I said, inferior title, but it has big TNT in the middle on a red strap, and it is either white, gold, or silver. Huge throwback to the old NWA WCW TV title. Once again, another thing that Cody and AEW want to resurrect from the past the looks of what WCW and the NWA had instead of forging their own path. Regardless, Mike Tyson was there. He brought out the title to be presented, and Cody was there with Arn Anderson taking on Lance Archer, who had Jake Roberts. Everybody's seconds got involved, tossed from the ringside area, and Cody did pick up the victory to become the first ever TNT champion. Due to an injury, Dr. Britt Baker was taken out of her match because the tag team match that happened just days before on Dynamite, she had injured her knee. We'll later on find out that she is out for a couple months till at least September, I believe. Labor Day weekend is the hope. So Chris Statlander ended up taking on Penelope Ford. Very short match, uh, all things considered, and Chris Statlander picked up the victory over Penelope Ford. Then Dustin Rhodes took on Sean Spears. Spears came out dressed in a suit, wasn't really ready to wrestle a match at all. He claimed that Dustin wasn't there. He tried to get uh, the victory by forfeit. Dustin showed up, stripped him down to his underwear where he ended up having... Underwear with Tully Blanchard on his crotch. And Dustin Rhodes picked up the victory over Sean Spears in what basically turned out to be a three-minute comedy match, more so than an actual match. One of my other favorite matches of the evening consisted of Hikaru Shida defeating Nyla Rose in a no-disqualification, no-countout match for the AEW Women's Champion. And now Hikaru Shida is the women's champion after, I believe it was 11 weeks at the number one position of number one contender. The time that Nyla Rose was off did not pay off for her and the belt changed hands. I'm happy with that. Then we saw John Moxley defending his AEW World uh, Championship against Mr. Brody Lee. Uh, and he had some minions of the Dark Order with him, but Moxley picked up the victory by a technical submission. Uh, basically, Brody Lee passed out, and the match was declared over. 
and still champion John Moxley. Then we had a 35-minute final match of a stadium stampede. Um, I read and heard on Jericho's podcast that apparently that took nine hours to film from nine at night till six in the morning. So a Friday night at nine until Sunday, Saturday morning at 6 a.m. And then three hours of editing just to put together to give us 35 minutes of action. And that had Matt Hardy and the elite Adam Page, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson taking on and defeating the inner circle with Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz. They went all over the football uh, stadium of the Jaguars. The mascot got involved. There was cheerleaders. There was a drowning segment where Matt Hardy was changing characters. Thought that was a little bit in poor taste considering Shad Gaspar had just drowned a few days before that in the ocean. Just, if they're going to change characters for Matt Hardy the way he's been doing it, they can find a better way of doing that than that. The ending saw Sammy Guevara take a huge one-winged angel off of like 20 feet up in the air from Kenny Omega, and that gave the victory to the Elite and Matt Hardy. Apparently, Matt Jackson was also wrestling this match with a broken rib. So, Le Champion and company came up short in this. Decent pay-per-view. All things considered, the Stampede was more of a comedy spot fest. Two best matches of the night were definitely MJF and Jungle Boy and Hikura Shida and Nyla Rose. So, yeah, regardless of Cody winning the championship, I definitely enjoyed the other matches better. It's a mix. They do things so good at one point and then so bad at another, and which takes us to Dynamite for this week. The opening contest was a six-man tag match with Matt... And Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, teaming with Broken Matt Hardy, and they had him back to his Omega Days uh, sort of outfit, taking on Private Party and Joey Janela. This match really disappointed me because it was spot after spot, but you could tell, especially on the part of Joey Janela and Private Party, they get hit and then quickly uh, just move or bend over and wait for the next thing to go it did not flow as a solid dance for me and it just looked really bad at one point the private party ended up diving over the top ropes and into the bucks and mark quinn ended up tweaking his knee and causing an injury also uh during the match the young bucks ended up in the audience and a brawl started with Butcher and Blade. But with Quinn injured, they were scrambling to figure out what to do next. And that wasn't enough for Cassidy and Janela to do anything. Cassidy tried to uh, finish off Matt Hardy with an inside cradle. But the Bucks hit there more bang for your buck. 
finisher and the team pinned Cassidy. Um, Matt then went out and checked on Mark Quinn and helped him get to the back. That's when Butcher and Blade ended up uh, jumping the Young Bucks from behind. And while the Bucks had been celebrating their victory in the ring, next thing you know, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, now going by hashtag FTR, pulled up in a lowrider truck and came to the ringside uh, and got in the ring. They approached the Bucks in the ring, but instead of going after them, they went after Butcher and Blade. FTR then gave a spike pile driver to the blade and finished off the butcher. So they're doing the spike pile driver like they're people that were really comparing them to before the Brain Busters. And later on, there was actually a picture of the Brain Busters, Tully and Arm, with Dax and Cash. So a nice play off that. I. I gotta be honest i was okay with that ftr being there they need to figure out what their uh, actual name is going to be um they have a t-shirt now out on pros and tees that says f the rest so that's what ftr stands for in their case for that shirt but you know eventually they're going to go against the bucks right now they're on the same side of being faces and just depends on which team is going to go after Butcher and Blade first. John Moxley then came out to the commentary desk to watch Brian Cage, who had Taz by his side, utterly destroy Lee Johnson. After the match, Taz warned Moxley that he, that's what he'll end up dealing with at Fighter Fest. Once again, they have no idea when Fighter Fest is going to happen. Just pick a day and... It's going to be a Saturday, most likely. And just go with it, because you have Daly's Place or Daly's Place all along. And Fighter Fest was usually just like a $10 show on Fight Network or something like that. So just get over and done with. Pick your day, and we know that Moxley against Cage is going to happen. Tony Schiavone uh, welcomed Dr. Rip Baker out. She gave an update on her injury. Said that she's going to be out until... All Out, which is supposed to be happening in September on Labor Day weekend. I believe it's September 5th. And she then proceeded to run down the rules of being a role model. And rule number three is don't hurt the role model. She had Rebel by her side to flip the chart. She was calling Rebel Rhea. And just, yeah, we're going to possibly see stuff like this up until she can come back but it's a good use of her uh, building her character she feels that there's a conspiracy against her including the referee being involved because every time she's been injured whether it was at the hands of Chris Statlander Hikaru Shida, Nyla Rose the referee has been part of it so she called out Aubrey Edwards and thought that it was more than just a coincidence that she's part of it. Alex Marvez was backstage trying to interview the inner circle. They made fun of him, and Orange Cassidy was seen roaming around the back and was distracting Jericho, so they definitely were pegging Orange to get revenge later on. 
Unfortunately, the new AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida had a horrible non-title match with Christy Janes. Yeah, just really, really ugly. It was Janes way too green to and did not make Shida look good at all. Shida, though, did pick up a victory, and that's the best I can say for that match. Cody then came out to talk to Tony Schiavone about the newly won TNT Championship, and he's basically going to have that be defended each and every week on Dynamite and has an open challenge. In this case, though, next week, he'll defend the title for the first time against whoever came out on top of the Battle Royal that they were having later on in the evening. They had a tag team match with uh, so-called uncensored Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, taking on Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian. Penelope Ford was at ringside with them, and the winners of this match were going to get a match against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega next week on the show for the tag team titles, and of course whoever comes out of that will go against best friends, at Fighter Fest. SCU was in control uh, near the end and was about to give uh, Havoc the finisher, but Penelope Ford ended up grabbing Kaz's leg and Sky was pinned by Jimmy Havoc after a Mishinuku driver combination with Sabian. So now Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian are going to go against Paige and Omega for the tag team titles next week. Backstage they had a promo with MJF. Saying that he was going to win the battle royal. And that it was going to come down to him and Wardlow. And Wardlow knew what to do. When it came down to those two. And of course they, they teased some uh, tension between them. But MJF then laughed it off and walked away. This led to the battle royal. And... The winner was going to get a shot at the American Nightmare Cody. People like Wardlow were in it. Sonny Kiss. MJF. Billy Gunn. Colt Cabana. Jungle Boy. Members of the Dark Order. Brandon Cutler. Luchasaurus. There was a good 10 to 12 uh, contenders in there. And when Orange Cassidy went to come out, he got attacked by the inner circle, Santana Ortiz, after what he supposedly did to distract Jericho during their promo earlier. Marco Stunt ended up getting rid of Christopher Daniels in somewhat of an upset, but then Wardlow quickly got rid of Marco. Some other people, like Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler, had been eliminated earlier. There was a stare down between Luchasaurus and Billy Gunn at one point, where Billy Gunn never looked like a giant before, but in this setup, he came comes off as a huge giant, and when they're trying to put Luchasaurus and Wardlow looking like the big giants of the company, and having Billy Gunn be bigger than them, not a good scene. Um... In the end, it did come down to MJF, Jungle Boy, Wardlow, and Orange Cassidy was able to recover to get up and come into the match. 
MJF got his ring, and they were going to uh, double-team Orange Cassidy, and Cassidy got out of the way. Wardlow got hit. They quickly got rid of MJF. Cassidy and Jungle Boy did. Turned around and got rid of the stunned Wardlow, leaving it down to Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy for a good two minutes of action. And the ending came when Jungle Boy did a head scissors on Orange Cassidy, took them both over the top rope, but Jungle Boy landed on the ring apron and Cassidy on the floor. So Jungle Boy is going to be getting a TNT title shot against Cody Rhodes this Wednesday on Dynamite. Then it was time for the end segment where the inner circle were going to have a pep rally to cheer each other up. Even though they had lost at Double or Nothing, they had a bunch of t-shirts that were made as being the uh, Stadium Stampede champions. So they had to get rid of those shirts. They were throwing them to the audience and some audience members were throwing them back at them. Then they gave each other some gifts to cheer each other up and eventually... It came down to Jericho wanting, actually, Mike Tyson's head on a platter from an incident that happened 10 years earlier on a Monday um, when Mike Tyson knocked out Chris Jericho. Do not Google it unless you want to see the worst ghost punch ever. Sammy Guevara said they he didn't have a way of getting... Tyson's head on a platter but he had cheese and some bubbly and they discovered the bubbly was gone and so was the cheese which then out came Mike Tyson with a bunch of MMA fighters Tyson got into Jericho's face had a struggle and fight with a t-shirt that he tried to rip off so basically, Pro Wrestling Tees beat Mike Tyson, blew him up. Tyson acted like a fool in front of Jericho, who was trying to cut a promo. And eventually, Jericho just pushed Tyson, and they reenacted. Then they Tyson, Steve Austin, uh, melee from 22 years ago on a Monday night. So, unfortunately, calling back to old history, I don't mind it so much if it makes sense, but when it's blatantly ripping off and redoing something, totally bad. Jericho looks so bad. I, I'm a fan of Chris Jericho. Tyson looked like, oh, totally horrible. Once again, like I said, blown up by a t-shirt. I don't get it. Where this is leading to, I can only imagine... Some rumors have it being that Jericho and Tyson are going to do something at Fighter Fest when that comes about. So one can only hope that those rumors are wrong, but that's where things are sitting at the moment, and that's how Dynamite went off the air. To wrap up our look at AEW, going to do the rankings for May 27th. In the tag team division, your champions are Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, with a perfect 6-0 record. The contenders, though, at number 5. With a 2-2 two two record, the Young Bucks. Falling from number 1 down to number 4, with a 5-0 record, is the Dark Order. At number 3, with a 4-2 record, is Private Party. At number 2, 
with a 4-0 record is QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes. And currently in first place in the rankings and also after winning their match at Double or Nothing on the pre-show with a 9-3 record is best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent. Over on the women's side of things, your champion is Hikaru Shida with a 10-1 record so far in 2020. Overall, she has a 15-6 record in AEW since its inception. At number 5, with a 3-3 record, is Penelope Ford. At number 4, with a 1-1 record, Yuka Sakasaki. At number 4, she'll be on the shelf for a while, with a 4-4 record, Dr. Britt Baker in the third position. In number 2 is Chris Statlander, also with a 4-4 record. And at number 1, the former AEW Women's World Champion, Nyla Rose, with a 5-2 record. Then, with the men in singles competition, they're listing both the champions, John Moxley with a 12-0 record, and Cody with the TNT Championship with a 10-1 record. Your top five contenders, though for those gentlemen, include at number five, Darby Allen with a 6-4 record. At number four, with a 4-0 record, Kenny Omega. At number three, with a 5-1 record, you're looking at Mr. Brody Lee. At number two, with a 5-1 record, the murder hawk monster, Lance Archer. And at number one, with a perfect 6-0 record, MJF. Hopefully these records do mean something, and we see somebody like an MJF get an actual title shot that's rightfully deserved. And that's the rundown for AEW for this week.